0: Our scripture reading this morning will be from Psalms 51, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 10 through 17. That's Psalms 51, 1 through 5, 10 through 17. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, that is in pa- it's on page 507, page 507 in the Pew Bible. I'll be reading from the King James Version. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, verse 10 through 17. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors, thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not desire.
1: Good morning. It is good to see each of you, and if you are visiting with us, again, we welcome you. We are so thankful that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you and that our time together can benefit all of us as we worship God together. We're in the midst of a series, and we're going to continue looking today and even next week at forgetting your Bible, warning, forgetting your Bible, and then we talk about each week what it would cause. Now, you may have noticed in the bulletin, but it's too good to pass up on. You know, last week when I stood and did that brief introduction, that was for the third time, and Jake Stilts leans over to his mom and says, man, we've already heard this sermon twice, and uh, and we, we, if we will, we'll hear it two more times, today and next Sunday, but uh, isn't it wonderful when our young people are listening, and they know the subject matter, and they know of what it is to study God's Word. And I hope and pray that from the youngest to the oldest that we will block out those things that have been a concern of ours in our mind as we were driving here this morning. And let's give ourselves wholly, wholehearted, all of our mind in worship to God as we study from God's Word a very, very important topic. As we think about today that forgetting our Bible will cause increased heartbreak. When you think about the relations that are most important to you, your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with friends, do you realize that God's Word guides us in ways that will bless and prosper every one of those relationships? And you can't say, well, now, there's a certain text here, and, and I hate to say it, but if you keep that text, it's really going to hurt your family. Think about the beauty of it. Everything God asks of us in His Word is going to bless and prosper every one of those relationships. And so therefore the opposite is true. Whenever you and I forget the Word of God is when you and I begin to notice that there are heartbreaks in those relationships. Those relationships that we can honestly say they're the most dear to me. I value those the highest. But yet, on the other hand, why would we do things that harm those very relationships? You see, that's the deceit of Satan. He will convince us to work against the God that we love so much, to work against the family that we hold so dear. This morning, because of the study itself, not because I sat down and said, hey, let's choose these topics, but this morning, because of the study in the text, we're going to see what I believe is two of the three greatest uh, enemies of a family. When we look at fornication and we look at addiction, which is one that we will not look at this morning, we see tremendous, tremendous danger that this brings to families. Now, think with me for just a moment. We don't go out and commit fornication because we're keeping the Word of God. We do that because we forget the Word of God. But also, also, we note that violence, abuse, neglect, that too is a tremendous harm to a family that creates long-term heartbreak. We don't do that because we're following the Word of God. We do those things if we have forgotten the Word of God. This morning, let's go and study about a man that you and I could probably say we believe that he was one of the greatest men who ever lived. I need to hear that loud and clear this morning. If individuals were making a list of individuals that they thought in the Scriptures were some of the greatest men of the Scriptures... David would be listed among those. You see, as we see the story of David unfold in the Scriptures, it's almost like a beautiful fairy tale unfolding. We see him beginning from being one that is not known, from being one that is out in the shepherds, and out being a shepherd, and the truth is, even his father forgot him. When Samuel came down to anoint the king, Now, think about this, how much of an honor it would have been for Samuel, the priest, the judge, the prophet. Samuel is coming down to our household. He's invited us to go out and offer sacrifice with him. Come on, sons. Come on, kids. Come on, family. We're going out. This is going to be great. He's even going to anoint a king. Can you imagine your youngest being out in the field and saying, don't worry about calling David. Even though this is probably one of the biggest things that's ever happened in our life, (laughs) just leave David out there. We'll, We'll all just go and we'll do this with Samuel. What a great day this is. Even his own family forgot him. But God didn't forget him. God had him sent and brought out of the fields and into the kingdom as king. His bravery out in the fields had been unknown. Others perhaps didn't know that he killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. But yet, when he stood on God's side in front of a giant, he became a glorified warrior, exalted, known among men for his courage. He led in such a way that he was considered the greatest king Israel ever had. And the greatest compliment, perhaps, that's ever been paid to any individual that's ever lived was said of David when it said, he was a man after God's own heart. This morning we're going to talk about some serious matters. Some things David did wrong, but yet he's still remembered as one of the greatest men that's ever lived. I don't know exactly who we're talking to this morning, but out of a crowd this size, I know there's somebody. Please recognize the fact that doing wrong is something that we all will do. We'll all commit sin. The question is, will we have a heart like God that says, I'm wrong, and I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to repent of that, and I'm going to come back to my God, and I'm going to stop breaking the heart of my God. I'm going to stop breaking the heart of my family. And I'm going to start breaking the heart of my Christian brothers and sisters that love God so much and love me so much. And I'm going to stop breaking my own heart. It's time for me to get my life back on the right track. Let's notice the mistake that David made and see how it happened so quickly. We're in 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. If you'd like to open your Bibles or read along. 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. We see... This story of heartbreak, it began with one heart that started pounding. We see that lust filled this heart. And let's see 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. And somebody says, David, how do you know it was lust? Because lust, by definition, is sinful desire. And in this story, we read about David desiring something that was sinful. And not only sinful, but I need to realize that when I desire something that's sinful, that is fornication, I am going to break a lot of hearts of the people that I love the most. And here's how the story unfolds. The 11th chapter, verse 1. Notice it's such an event that it's simply referred to as it. This was, in a sense, a life-changing event for David. David's life would never be the same. He would be forgiven. He would be accepted back by God. And some of those relationships would be healed and mended to a degree. But as long as David lived, he would suffer some of the consequences of the sin that he took place on this particular evening. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So that's his location, Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sinned and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then, an important point in time right here. David had the opportunity at this point in time to make the right decision. He had the opportunity right here to push the pause button and say, What is the will of God in my life? I don't want to break God's heart. I don't want to break my heart. I don't want to break those around me. One of my mighty men that loves me so much, at this very hour that this is happening, this man, Uriah, is putting his life on the line to protect David as a king and the kingdom. Why didn't he push the pause button and say, I need to think about this. I need to think about the consequences. I need to think about the sin." But notice the rest of this passage. Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. For she was cleansed from her impurities and she returned to her house. One night stand. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And so therefore, the story continues. What happened this evening? Tradition in oriental customs was the fact that people would get up early in the day. They would live out about half the day, and after lunch, they would recline and rest throughout the heat of the day. And as the sun was lowering in the skies, they would rise again to live out the rest of the afternoon and evening. That seems to be what David's custom was on this particular day because if you'll notice it says in verse 2, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. Perhaps he had an average day. But for whatever reason, his focus on this particular evening was not upon God. And so he arises from his rest and he goes out on his roof, which would have been very common, and there he sees a beautiful woman bathing. We don't know if she was at fault here. Some women, even in those cultures, would bathe with their clothing on and in a public place, a public pool. And so we don't know at this point if Bathsheba is to blame. We do not see her saying no uh, further in the story. And so that definitely, definitely brings fault to it. But at this point, we don't know if she is to blame. But we know he is. Because you see, lust began to rule his mind and his life at this point. Notice three things here that lust will almost always do if we allow lust to rule our life. Lust will ignite action. Notice as he looked upon her, he sent and inquired of her. Now, someone says, how do you know that lust was ruling there? Because once he found out what should have turned him away, he continued to act upon it as if it was exactly what he wanted to hear. You see, David wasn't setting out this evening to say, I want to have a wholesome friendship with someone. I just want to sit down and converse with someone. How is it that I could magnify God in my life? What is it I could do today to grow closer to God? What is it today that I could do to strengthen the relationship to my family members or even my neighbors that live around me? You see, none of those things must have been on the mind of David that particular evening. But what was on his mind caused him to ignore the facts and the truth. Isn't it interesting to you that one of the individuals when they sent and inquired came back and told exactly who she was? She's a wife, David. Oh, that's going to turn a man of God away. Think about it. That has to turn a man of God away. Any man after God's own heart that's going to hear that she's married, that's enough said, unless lust is driving the thought. Well, David, maybe I need to explain this further. Out of your thousands and thousands of soldiers, this isn't just any wife. This is the wife of one of your mighty men, the elite of the elite. The ones that throughout the Scriptures would put their life on the line, not just for the kingdom, but for the king time and time again. David, are you hearing this? She's a wife. She's the wife of one of your mighty men. He sinned for her. What? He sinned for her. What? Who's talking here? Not a man after God's own heart, but a man that's being ruled by lust is talking here. He sins for her, which initiates the sin. He had the opportunity at that point to turn away. Did it hurt anybody? Of course. Most of us are probably familiar with the story, but note, Not only did it hurt one, but it hurt many. Let's see the two hearts directly related to this story that stopped beating because of this. Let's look a little further in this same chapter, the 11th chapter, verse 14. And as we read verse 14, we will have skipped over about eight verses. And the verses that we have skipped over are really some verses that we need to come back sometime and we need to study this same text that we're skipping over right here, just from the story of Uriah. You talk about a man that had integrity and character. We need to come back and study him just on those bases. And so he brings him back in town because the thought is, if I can bring the mighty man back in town, he'll have a visit with his wife and then everyone will believe that he is the father of this baby and then I can wipe the sweat off my brow and life can go on and I won't ever have to look back to this nasty moment again. This man had such integrity and such character. When he came back in, he said, all of the other soldiers are out there living in the battlefield and in the tent. I will not go to visit my wife during this time. That's loyalty. That's commitment. This man symbolized everything that David had been before lust ruled his life. Friends, hear and believe the Word of God. Lust is a master that will destroy everything and everybody we love. Lust and the desire to cover up the consequences of lust actually moves David to do something that just is unbelievable. Let's read about this document he writes out. And who delivers this document? Verse 14, in the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab, that was the commander of the army, and sent it by the hand of who else? Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Let's pause there for just a moment. How much integrity did Uriah have? David had no doubt. He knew that the man that he was about to kill, you could trust to the very end of the day. Now, I know the Scriptures doesn't say here, but it would go without being said that a loyal man would never pry into the private business of his king. It would be almost like saying, here's a sealed document. Now, Uriah, you won't open this, will you? He didn't even have to say it. He knew that his loyalty and his integrity was so great that this man would never look into the document that he delivers that is actually the death sentence for himself. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people or the servants of David fell. You see... It wasn't just one man that david had killed indirectly because of his commands several other men lost their life men that were fighting for david's protection and uriah the hittite died also that's not the only death that took place because of david's sin let's skip deeper down into this story in the 12th chapter and let's read just verse 14 in the 12th chapter verse 14 we also see That the child's heart stopped beating. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. One heart started pounding. David decided to live one evening driven by lust. The result? would be two plus many others would stop beating. The consequences. The heartbreak. Who would think that David would become a violent man? A man that would abuse his neighbors. I want to ask you something. What does a man look like? Just describe his height and his weight. And describe like his facial features and... Just describe, what does a man look like who abuses his family? A father that rages out of control and leaves bruises on his kids as he shakes their arm on regular basis. What does that man look like? The man that when he grows angry, people in the house flee from him because he's left their marks before on their body. What's, what does that man look like? He looks just like any man that's forgotten the Bible. Men don't abuse because they've remembered the Bible. Men abuse because they've forgotten God. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, teaches that a man of God is going to love his wife so much that he nourishes and cherishes her, he protects her, he values her. Reading further in that same passage down into the next chapter in the fourth verse, he talks about a man that loves his children so much that he would not provoke them to anger. But he brings them up in the nourishment, the admonition of the Lord. Friends, that's what men look like that remember the Bible. That's what men look like that remember God's Word. What happened to David that day? He forgot the will of God. He forgot God when lust ruled his life and he forgot God when he took violence out on those in his community. And things like that haven't changed. When we forget God, other masters begin to rule our life. And it's masters that will hurt and break a lot of hearts. As a matter of fact, let's read a little more about the continual heartbreak. Let's go back to the 12th chapter and let's read in verse 10 and 11 and following about what God said as we see here that many hearts kept breaking after this episode. Let's read together 10, 11, and then we'll skip down and read 14 again. He says, and and this is where now Nathan has approached David. And up to this point, David wasn't even admitting any sin. Up to this point, David's conscience had been defiled, and he was living with it. And you remember the story unfolds that the rich man takes a lamb that's a pet to the family, and guests come by, and he offers that lamb. And boy, David is infuriated. And he says, that man needs to be put to death. Nathan is strong enough friend and, and man of God. Nathan's able to look right back at him and says, okay, you are the man. And it's from there that his heart is pricked and it begins to fall upon him all that he's done and he repents and he turns back to God. And that's the text that was so capably read this morning from Psalms 51 where he's pleading with God to forgive him and he wants to turn back to the commandments of God and he wants to tell others about God again. But notice this, scar. Now we're talking about heartbreaks this morning. We can be forgiven, but some scars... Will not go away. And God tells him, I'll forgive you, in other words. But he says, There's some scars that are going to remain throughout your life. Now, therefore, the word shall never depart. I'm sorry. The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And here, the neighbor that he's talking about is his own son. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Verse 14, However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also is born to you shall surely die. Did it happen? The child died. That's the next paragraph. The child was sick and for several days it suffered and then finally died. You go to the very next chapter, the 13th chapter, and one of David's daughters was raped by one of David's sons. Another one of David's sons, Absalom, was so angry that he murdered the other of David's sons. That son that was one of David's favorite sons, Absalom, was so afraid, he then ran away from home and stayed away from home for three years. Do we need to recap this? A son has died in infancy, a daughter raped by a son, and that rapist son is now dead, and another son is a murderer, and that son has now become a runaway, and finally guilt of others brings David to say, Okay, He can come back and live around here. Just don't let me ever see his face again. And then there's a rebellion by Absalom where he actually tries by force to take over the kingdom. Friends, David knew heartache. He knew heartbreak. The next time you say, man, David was a great man in the Scriptures. I'd love to live the life of David. I want to tell you something. I'd love to have the heart of David too, but I wouldn't like to have the life of David. He knew some great days, and he knew some glory-filled days, but David knew some of the hardest days on earth. And you know what's interesting? Every one of his hard days goes back to that promise God made, the sword will not leave your home. God, why is the sword not going to leave my home? Because you committed fornication and murdered a man. Isn't that interesting that fornication and violence are still destroying a lot of hearts, a lot of hearts. This morning, if you're believing the lie that your lust and your fornication will not affect anyone, you're wrong. Lust leads to fornication, and both damage hearts. Let's close by reading just a couple of verses. Let's go, or let's go to. Um, Ezekiel the 19th chapter and close with this passage. Ezekiel the 19th... I'm sorry. Ezekiel the 11th chapter, verse 19. Ezekiel 11, verse 19 and 20. We're talking about the heart as we look at this lesson. And we're talking about heartbreak. And we're talking about the things that lead to heartbreak. And this morning, if your heart is breaking for whatever the reason, if families, uh, members around you, their hearts are breaking because of things that you've done, Do you realize that just like in the physical world today, we think about a heart transplant. We think about taking a diseased and a physically corrupted heart and bringing in a heart that is healthy and renewed. And so many individuals today are living and they're having happy lives because physically they've had a heart transplant. God is saying to Israel, and He says to us even today, He says, I can take those corrupted spiritual hearts and I can make them new again. And so as we extend this invitation, let's do so by reading this verse. Ezekiel chapter, 19 and 20. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. God says, I'm the one that can give the greatest heart transplant ever. Friends, you can't battle your sin alone. You can't come up with the answer on your own. You can't be a blessing to your family without the knowledge of the one that gives all blessings. The only hope we have is to surrender all to Jesus Christ. Now, we're about to sing a song. Please ask yourself, do I really trust God with my all? Can He really bring the greatest blessings in my life? Or do I believe the lies of Satan? Take your sin. Take your struggles. Take your addiction. And give it all over to God. He can handle it. He can forgive you. You can trust Him. Your family will be blessed. And you will be too. If you've not done that through being baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins, do that this morning. If you've done that, but yet you've strayed back with God, won't you come back to Him this morning? The blessing will be yours. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing. All to Jesus.